Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 209. Today is where your book begins, the rest is still unwritten. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Toby Peterson. Toby, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, I am. Ready to go. All right. We're going back to the future today. Toby Peterson owns DeLorean Motor Company Northwest. It's a full-service shop that has a franchise affiliate with DeLorean Motor Company. He's been in business since 2007, and he's located in Bellevue, Washington. He also services other classic exotics like Lotus, Ferrari, and Porsche. He and his wife own an online DeLorean parts sales and development business called DeLorean Parts Northwest, Toby's owned the same DeLorean for 27 years, and he's active in the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club as well. And Toby's goal is to help DeLorean owners in the region and abroad to help their cars stay in great shape and continue living that DeLorean dream. Toby, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course your passion for automobiles? You bet, Mark. Well, it all started at age three, I guess. My parents told me that uh, that I announced to the world that I was going to be an engineer, <laughs> and uh, that was just the way that was going to work. And uh, so as time went on, I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time on the family farm during the summers, working on equipment and you know tinkering with things, mm-hmm. and uh, learned to drive when I was eight years old, that kind of thing. Wow. Decided to go to school at Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana, got a degree in civil engineering. And uh, worked for my father for a bit in a consulting engineering firm and then uh, started my career at the Boeing Commercial Airplane Company mm. in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. And so I was there for 25 years. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> you must have liked it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, uh, it, was, it was fun working on high-performance aircraft and, oh, and yeah. just getting to know all of the ways and means of designing big airplanes and, and taking care of commercial airplane customers. Uh, it was really a fascinating deal, but it was uh, it was also a huge responsibility. Oh yeah. Um, as time went on, I I went up to the point where I was uh, classified as a senior principal design a structural engineer. So cool. I uh, had all kinds of responsibilities in the propulsion end of things, and uh, with my 
engineering contacts there, I was able to link up with a number of aerospace manufacturers, vendors that, uh, that made different things. And that kind of ties in a little bit with my DeLorean story. I did the 25-year thing at Boeing and then uh, found myself stepping away to uh, start DeLorean Motor Company Northwest. Fantastic. Now, you bought your DeLorean a while back, so you had it while you were at Boeing? Yes. And so was this concept of a second career, a next career mulling around in your mind that it would be involved with a DeLorean motor car? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As a matter of fact, the setup was my wife and I were deciding that we wanted to have a little sports car of some sort, and I kind of um, knew about a a little kit car kit car called a Sterling GT. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. A, a clever little car. And uh, and I, I decided that I wanted to get one of those and, and uh, you know, just to have that as a little hobby on the side while I was working. And I found a Sterling for sale out in Nashua, Montana. So I flew out there on a whim, bought this car and drove it back to, to Seattle from Montana. Mm-hmm. But that was a, a step of faith, let me tell you. <laughs> and um, and when I got out, uh, it, it had all kinds of different problems. And so I decided to take it apart and kind of start over with it. It was already put together. Mm-hmm. So while we had the Sterling apart, uh, my wife says, well, you know, we need to have some sort of other little sports car or whatever. So, Boy, you uh, married I, the right woman. <laughs> yeah. I was in a grocery store one day, and, and I saw a little 3 by 5 card up on the community board that said, for sale, 1981 DeLorean and best offer and a phone number and didn't have any little tabs to rip off with a phone number or anything like that. So I just took the whole card and thought, DeLorean, I really don't know much about them. You know, Mm -hmm. I know more or less what it is, but that's about it. So a couple of days later, I called this guy up and and, uh, he was mystified. He said, nobody else has called. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder why. Anyway, so I went and looked at this car and it was an absolute basket case. It was it was in horrible condition. Uh, barely ran the doorknob and the door handles were broken off, so you couldn't hardly get in the car. Hmm. And it was full of water and mold and mildew and oh my it was just gosh. awful. And uh, I'm one of those guys that goes to the dog pound and wants to take all the puppies home because you know that that night, if you don't take them home, they're going to be put to sleep. Oh gosh! <laughs> and I looked at this car and I said, if if I don't take this car home. It's 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 not going to end well for it, and yeah. so I wound up striking a deal with this guy and and took this car home, and spent some time getting it up to speed. That started my journey, I guess, in in uh, the DeLorean end of things. Yeah, absolutely. Start. This is before the internet, believe it or not. So, uh, 1988, and and uh, so to find parts was very difficult. You had to have a phone number or an address to write a letter to. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I bought this DeLorean, and it slowly and surely insinuated itself into my life. So I, I basically bought it on a whim, kind of by accident, and uh, and it slowly took over my life. Absolutely has taken over your life. Well, it's a fantastic story. We're going to learn a little bit more of that as we move along. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Toby? Take the wheel. Okay. Uh, well, there's actually kind of two that uh, that link up together, mm-hmm. and uh, one is is a, a line from a song by Natasha Bedingfield, and it's uh, "Today is where your book begins; the rest is still unwritten." Mm. I listened to that song a long time as I was deciding to step away from Boeing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at a 25 year career, and yeah, and, uh, and and you know, taking that next step. You know, I, I just really had to think through that a lot. Right. And so I listened to that song over and over again. And uh, one of the little things that fits in with that is, 
is I don't know what they really call it. I've heard it called the locutus law of location anywhere. What it says is uh, no matter where you go, there you are. Uh, and what I take that to mean is there's, you know, life, you take it step by step, short term goals. Uh, there's overall maybe a grand plan, but stuff happens and, and you have to switch directions and be flexible and, and uh, just really kind of take it one day at a time. And so we've got this big unwritten book ahead of us, however long it is. And, and, uh, and then we just stay in the moment and, and take it one step at a time. And hopefully uh, you get there according to the grand plan. Well, what I love about your story is you had a career that was successful and long and fruitful, but your passion was with automobiles, not aircraft. Although you probably had some passion for aircraft because it was such a big part of your life. But you made that step, that next journey, the next chapter, if you will, to use your quote, and uh, found a way to wrap that passion into a, a new vocation. And that's what Cars Jazz is all about. So. You talked about wanting to be an engineer when you were real little, but could you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? That pivotal moment, as you can remember it, when you really knew you were a car guy? Um, yeah, my family had this old beat-up car that uh, my dad drove around for a while, and then it finally had just, it, it expired. It was on its last legs, and it finally just gave up. And uh, so he shoved it off into the side yard at our house. We lived in Colorado at the time. And, and there it sat in the sun and just kind of, you know, as, as a lot of cars do, they just kind of start going back to nature. I was getting older and uh, got up to 15 years and about six months old and uh, started thinking about, well, you know, Dad, you know, what am I going to do for my first car and this and that? And he says, tell you what, he says, if you can get that heat by the side of the house running, by the time you're 16, you can have it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> There's a goal. <laughs> yeah. And there we, you know, so what can possibly go wrong, right? Right. <laughs> um, I started working on it and uh, it was, it was really kind of a mess. The transmission was shot, had no brakes, had about a quarter million miles on it. Body was fairly straight. Uh, the interior was just a it had all exploded from sitting out in the sun too long. <laughs> but the thing about it was, it was a 1965 Pontiac GTO. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and, my. Uh, <laughs> okay. And so I, I hunkered down. Everybody else was off doing what, you know, 15-year-olds do. And I was every night working on that car and yeah. scrounging up money. I had a couple of part-time jobs and, and uh, just getting all the parts. And it was all on me. Uh, Dad and, and my parents, they didn't uh, really necessarily give me a bunch of money to throw at this thing. They said, you know, if you can get it running, there you go. And uh, so I had worked on the family farm summers and it accumulated a, a little bit of a savings account. Long story short, I wound up getting the car running by the time I was 16. And so there I had it. And uh, the, the motor was in really sad shape. I took the trans, it was an automatic transmission that was in the car. I uh, took that out and transplanted in a Muncie four-speed with a Hurst shifter. And so I had to put all the provisions in for a clutch and all that stuff in a car that was not born with one, mm -hmm. uh, completely different center console. And, you know, it was, it was quite the undertaking getting all the brakes done. And, and I did all that work myself and, uh, I had no formal training or anything. Uh, so I just kind of had to figure it out as I went along, kind yeah. of using my mind, which was kind of geared towards engineering stuff anyway. Sure. And, uh, that was kind of the pivotal moment when I kind of figured that, uh, I had grease and gasoline in my veins. <laughs> Absolutely. When I fired that thing up for the first time after uh, uh, after the process of sort of restoring it began. Sure. Very cool. And a GTO, even better. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. 
Toby, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and talk about a real challenge or even a failure in your entrepreneurial career or another part of your career if you'd like. But the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, I guess the biggest challenge that comes to mind, of course, I stepped away from Boeing after 25 years and started DeLorean Motor Company Northwest, full-service shop. And this was in the spring of 2007, and things were going pretty well in the economy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were just kind of booming along. Yeah. And um, uh, at my open house, 25 DeLoreans showed up, and 10 of them stayed behind to get worked on. And, cool. And uh, I, had, I had two guys working for me, and, uh, you know, things were just really cruising. We had about a two or three month backlog of part of, of work going at all times. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the, a little bit of the writing on the wall, kind of a, a thunderstorm on the horizon of the economy. Yeah. And, um, and by the spring of 2008, about a year after starting, uh, we were in full bloom recession. Right. My revenues dropped about 80%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, when we first started, uh, people would bring their DeLoreans in and they'd say, whatever my baby needs, you know, go for it. Right. And we, were, we were looking at tickets of $15,000. Wow. Uh, you know, that, that was looking pretty good. We were doing thirty dollars or $40,000 a month mm-hmm. in, uh, in revenues. And, uh, and then as the recession began to take hold of the uh, U.S. economy, all of a sudden people were saying, well, you know, let's, let's take a look at what the car needs and then, and then just do the really important stuff. You right. know? And so it went from a, from a $15,000 ticket to a $5,000 ticket. And then uh, as, the, as the year 2008 started and things were really starting to get gloomy, uh, it became, well, here's my car. It came in on a flatbed. What can we do as a minimum? to get it home and put it back in storage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just change the oil and fluids and that's about it. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so that, you know, the, the biggest challenge was, uh, you know, we were just fresh in the business, uh, really didn't, you know, you, you typically don't make a lot of money the first couple of years. And, right. you know, you're, you're putting a lot of your own personal uh, resources into it to get it going. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was doing all that, and then there was nothing coming back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so we had to really hunker down. And that's that's really pretty much what I did, was I just hunkered down and, uh, and just was determined to make this work one way or another. And so day by day, invoice by invoice, we just scrapped through all that time. It was years, of course, uh, that we spent, uh, you know, just going from day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And what I what I really learned from all that was that uh, determination really does have a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can you can have some some setbacks, some short term setbacks, and whatever have you. But if you're just absolutely determined to get something done, you can always find a way. Is that when you decided to work on other cars as well, or did you already had you already set up your shop to work on more than just DeLoreans? Yeah, we were we were really focused in on DeLoreans, and that was the uh, the agreement that I had with uh, our parent company, DeLorean Motor Company Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got in touch with them, and I said, "Look, I know I know what it says in the agreement, but in order to keep the dots connected here, we're going to have to branch out and diversify just a little bit." Right. And uh, so there was a a couple of shops in the area that had been doing some classic exotic work on, on Lotus and old Porsche and whatnot. And, uh, and those shops, uh, were not making it, I guess they weren't as determined as I was. <laughs> sure. And so, uh, and so they kind of evaporated and their clientele was left, you know, the question mark. So who's going to take care of my car? Right. And uh, a couple of those clients had always driven by my shop on the way to this other shop. 
And so uh, they, they would just stop at my front door and say, sure. uh, you know, this guy's gone away. Would you be willing to work on my car instead? And, and so that's that's where we started rolling into that. There you go. The classic pivot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, hey, we got to look at some other ways to expand here to stay, keep the doors open. So fantastic. That's great. So many of my guests here on Cars Yeah went through that period, and it was, boy, hard for everybody. But definitely there's a recurring story here of uh, determination, perseverance, looking at other alternatives, other ways to expand. It sounds like that's what you did. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'm going to ask you to share a story. When you had one of those aha moments in your business, a time when you realized that, you know what, I think this idea or this concept is really going to make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. I've been a member of the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club basically ever since I bought the car. And uh, they they had figured out pretty quickly that that I was willing to turn a wrench and help people get their cars running and keep them running. And so I was uh, I was installed as one of the board of directors uh, responsible for technical aspect of car ownership. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that, that we did was we maintained a cross-reference list of parts that, that uh, you know, were from some other application but would fit on a DeLorean. And uh, we also had a list of shops in the local area that were willing, at least, to entertain the idea of working on DeLoreans. And I was still full-time. I was 70 hours a week working at Boeing, so uh, I wasn't really doing any of that kind of work on the side. But uh, one year, it was like 2004, I believe, we started calling around all the shops that were on our, our club's approved list. And there were about 10 or 12 shops on that list. Mm-hmm. And uh, every one of them that I called, they said, please take us off the list. The reason was it was just not working out for for a lot of those shops. They're used to you know, the, a car coming in in the morning, diagnose it, you know, have the, the parts guy go get the parts at noon, and then the car's put back together and ready to go out by the evening time. Right. And with a DeLorean, not so much. You know, you you, uh, you get the car in, you try and figure out how it's built. Yeah. <laughs> uh, figure out what the problem is, and then you have to scrounge around for parts, and the only parts that were really available at that point were were really from DeLorean Motor Company, Texas. And so you had to, to order parts and then wait until they got shipped in yeah. and then all that. So it was, a, it was like a two-week process to fix a DeLorean as opposed to a one-day turnaround for their normal clientele. Sure. And uh, so they were kind of sick of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, every shop, 12 shops, um, all told us, please take us off the list. We're no longer interested in working on the cars. Wow. And so we were all sitting around one day going, well, now what? Because, you know, you can just envision the entire local population of DeLoreans just going down the tubes because right. there was really no professionals, no properly equipped people out there to, to help maintain them. So right about then, we started thinking about, uh, you know, what the options could be. And uh, shortly thereafter, I was approached by the ownership of DeLorean Motor Company Texas with the idea that I would start a, a shop up here with their support. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't quite ready to do That's a huge commitment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't quite ready to do that. So I actually let it steep in my mind for a year mm-hmm. and listened to Natasha Bedingfield a lot and, and <laughs> just thought about it. And, and I took a look at my little collection of nickels and dimes and, and finally decided to, to launch in uh, to the business. But that my aha moment was, was when that, that 12th shop said, please take us off the list. And so right. there's no more support locally at all. Opportunity. <laughs> uh, so that was the niche. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. How many DeLoreans are up here in the Pacific Northwest? In the greater Pacific Northwest region, there's approximately 800 cars. Wow. And uh, 
in the in the greater Seattle area, Puget Sound area, there's probably 250. Wow, I had and, no idea there were that many up here. Wow. Yeah, there's uh, there's a number of them that are out driving around, uh, you know, to one degree or another, and there's an awful lot of them still in barns and sheds uh, mm-hmm. that had been put away, you know, back in the dark days after the DeLorean Motor Company went out of business. Sure. Um, the original company. So, uh, our opportunity is to is to tease those cars out of the barns and sheds and right. get back on the road. There's hope. <laughs> there you go. How about proudest moments? I'm sure you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us? Well, really, there's uh, the you know I, I looked at that question and there's really two that really come to mind. If Great. you don't mind me, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, the first one, uh, I had a, a call from a from a author. He was an independent author, and he was out uh, on a road trip or he was planning a road trip up and down the West Coast. Uh, He was doing a feature article uh, on a Mazda RX-8 in the last year of production. And so his plan was to just, he and a photographer would drive up the coast and they would stop here and there and just, you know, write this article about their experiences with the road trip and then also these places that they planned on visiting. Mm -hmm. And one of the places was my shop. Uh, We were the the last stop. (laughs) Oh, nice. And as it turned out, he was writing for Popular Mechanics magazine, mm-hmm. and uh, we wound up uh, with being featured in an article in the May 2012 issue of Popular Mechanics. Very cool. Yeah, so it's a, it was really nice to, to see an acknowledgement of, of our passion for, for bringing these cars back up out of the barns and sheds. And, and, oh, for uh, you know, sure. Just, just kind of reestablishing the DeLorean as, as an important mark. Mm-hmm. So that was, a, that was kind of a... A nice moment. Yes. Uh, my parents were eminently proud, of course. <laughs> and then the other moment that I had a few years ago, a gentleman stopped into the shop, and uh, it, it was a random visit. He was from Australia and had never seen a DeLorean in, li- in real life and wanted to have his picture taken and all that stuff. You just never know what's going to happen when somebody wanders in the door. I entertained him as best I could. And he asked for a piece of paper and a pen, and, and he says, if I ever owned a DeLorean, here's the parameters that the DeLorean would have to meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, he listed out uh, about a half a dozen things that were very, very specific. It had to be manufactured in April of 1981. And, wow. You know, this and that. And he gave me his contact information. And he wandered back out the door. And this guy was uh, it was really interesting. He had a great big Ringo Starr sunglasses on, this floppy leather hat, and a big long ponytail. I mean, it's like, you know. Yeah. You figure, well, whatever. <laughs> and about a month later, one of the local owners came in with one of his DeLoreans, and he said, "You know what? I'd like to sell this car. I'd like you to." to he wanted us to to fix it up a little bit and help him sell it. Mm-hmm. And it, I was looking at the car, and it had everything that this other guy from Australia wanted, except for the last thing on his list was it had to be right-hand drive. Mm. <laughs> a little tough to find around here. Uh, yeah, uh, there there were none made in production. There were about a dozen cars made as a conversion process with authorization from the factory back in 1981 and 82, but there were none done in production. And, and uh, yeah, it was one of those things where you just didn't see them. So I called this guy up and told him about the car and he ultimately said, yeah, let's, let's buy the car and let's also do the right-hand conversion. Nice. That's quite a process, by the way. I'm to, uh, sure it to, is. To flip a car like that. Yeah. And we got it all done. And, of course, with my engineering background, I took copious notes, and there was all kinds of calculations on the strength of brackets and, you know, the different things that we did. And then the car got shipped over to Australia, and one of the things that they have to do there when they have a converted car is they have to have an engineer and a mechanic basically take the car back apart and, and verify how it was converted and make oh sure it's roadworthy. Gosh. 
<laughs> and they charge the, the, the importer of the car about $5,000 for this process. Mm-hmm. In support of that, uh, I had taken over 600 pictures of the process, oh, of taking the car perfect. apart and then putting it back together. And then I, I, I offered up scans of all of my notes and, and everything else, all the sketches of the different brackets and stuff. So they started into the process. They took a couple of access panels off and they were poking around and they were looking at my pictures and they were looking at the notes and, and the, the way that, that we had gone through this methodical process of doing a right-hand conversion. They finally said, you know what, this is ridiculous. And so they, they put those access panels back on, just did a spot check on a couple of other things. And then the, uh, the Queensland Transport Ministry declared the car to be a factory right-hand drive. Wow. <laughs> so all that Boeing history came to to uh, fruition there. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, they, they basically certified the car as a factory right-hand drive, even though such things didn't exist. And the guy didn't get charged the $5,000 fee. Nice. He got charged like $250 or whatever for yeah. the time that was spent. Uh, so he was hugely happy with that. Of course. It saved him a pile of money. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a feather in our cap that that uh, the government of a, of a foreign country uh, acknowledged our work as, as worthy of being a factory. Absolutely. Fantastic story. I love it. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? You talked about the GTO, but is there another car in your life that was something you really wanted to have? Maybe it's the DeLorean. And share a memory you had with that vehicle. My first really special car was that Pontiac GTO. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that really doesn't buy and sell and trade cars a lot. Uh, I had that GTO for many, many years. I had a couple of other cars, and then the DeLorean, and I still got the kit car. I bought that thing in 1984, and it's still in my barn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I, I really haven't, I don't have this this long history of, you know, the last hundred cars that I've owned. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the first really special car was that GTO, not only because I had so much blood and sweat into it, but it was, you know, one of those things where it was something that, that I kind of brought back to life, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, I, I went to my senior prom in it and uh, got my first ticket. <laughs> all those things. Uh, yeah, very the, cool. All the fun stuff. Went on road trips with it uh, and just, you know, it, it became kind of like my buddy for a long time. Yeah, great. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you let go that you really sh- wish you could have back in the garage? Is it that GTO? It is. Yeah, yes. I kind of thought I, so. Uh, <laughs> Ultimately, I built that car up to the point where it was the fastest street car in Billings, Montana. Um, <laughs> Very I never, cool. I, I actually never lost a street race with it. For the folks that might be out there listening to that, it, it wasn't quite legal, but you know that's what teenage boys do. So it, it was making about 650 horsepower. Oh, that my was gosh. In, that was back in the day when that was a hard thing to get. Yes. Uh, and uh, big giant tires on it, and I'd done a bunch of suspension tweaks and this and that. And I, yeah, it, w- it was just an awesome car. Wow. And I got to the point, I was, I was going into college, and, and here I had this, this GTO, this monster GTO. At that point, it had a, a 429 high-output Pontiac motor with, uh, with a tri-power setup on it that was all tweaked and wasn't really what you'd call a practical college student car. <laughs> Probably not. There had been a couple of, uh, of things that had come up to the point where I had a, a 1974 Chevy pickup as well. That, uh, that I acquired and a Pontiac Grand Prix and a little motorcycle, you know, the, the kind of list went on. And, and I just had too many toys for a college student. Yeah, yeah. And I, my parents said, look, you know, you got to get rid of something. And so, uh, and so the GTO was the obvious choice. The kid that bought it, I wouldn't even let him test drive it. I, I took him <laughs> for his test ride. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we wound up 
in a street race with this kid's brother. I beat him pretty handily. And, <laughs> sold. Uh, that, sold. That, that was it. And so he bought the car, and um, and I really didn't spend a lot of time making sure that he was capable of owning this car. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in a street race about two weeks later and, and ran it into a telephone pole oh, and destroyed the car. Oh, no. So that I had spent all of that time and effort and I just put a lot of love into that car. Yeah. Made a little – well, I, I probably didn't make any money on it, but it seemed – it seemed like I did selling it uh, when I did. Sure. And then, uh, and then two weeks later, it's gone. Oh, moral of the story, well, kids out there, don't street race. Don't street race. <laughs> don't right. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Uh, we've got a couple of things going on in the shop that are, uh, that are kind of interesting. One is a, an electric DeLorean project. Oh, uh, cool. One of our local customers, he's, uh, he works for the Bonneville Power Administration, and he's also been a, a past DeLorean owner. And, and uh, so he decided he wanted to uh, work with us on building an electrically powered DeLorean. And so we're in the middle of that. We've got, uh, we've got the motor and, and uh, all of the, the driveline components all sorted, all the mounting structure for the batteries and for the motor and, and everything else. We're delayed right now with uh, acquisition of batteries, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you know, once we get that figured out, then then we can move forward and get that finished. But you know, that's kind of the way the the, the direction that the world is heading yep. is is towards yeah. electric vehicles. And so, yeah. having a uh, an iconic car like this that kind of represents both the the past and the future. Yeah. You know, f- from the movie, having that converted to electric and humming around town that's that's going to be a pretty exciting thing. Absolutely fantastic! Um, I love that. And then the other thing that we've got going on is uh, I'm, I'm actively trying to improve some characteristics of the, of the DeLorean suspension. We've got some parts that are becoming hard to find. We've got a, a suspension upgrade program that I'm kind of in the middle of developing to take the car to the next level from a handling perspective and then also have, have it so that parts are fresh and new and available. Great. I love that. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Toby. If you were a car... What kind of car would you be and why? Uh, this might kind of sound self-serving, but I think it would wind up being a DeLorean. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the reason, it's a very classic, timeless design. Um, you know, people look at the shape of the car and, and just how it presents itself. It looked very fresh and futuristic for sure back in the late 70s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. And it looks just as good today. When you were you know, sitting in the movie theater watching Back to the Future when it was released back in 1985, and they were showing it in the future, which, by the way, was this year, 2015, yeah. <laughs> you know, it looked like it, and they had all these other futuristic cars kind of floating around and this and that. Uh, the DeLorean fit right in with all the rest of those futuristic-looking cars. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those designs, you know, Gujaro did a very good job of penning a design that, uh, that just really stands the test of time for sure. And it's a really tough and resilient car. I've got a, a client that has a DeLorean that was converted to a time machine quite a few years ago. Uh, he converted it himself, mm-hmm. all his own labor. And that car has 455,000 miles on it. Oh, my goodness. And it's been through everything. It's been to all 50 states, including Hawaii. We just uh, shipped it over to Hawaii, and they spent a few months over there. And it's been down into South America and just here, there, and everywhere. My and goodness. And it's, it's been through ice storms, and it's, it's, it's just it's unbelievable what that car has been through and it's uh it's still going strong and uh my car's (laughs) my car's got 187,000 miles on it now and it drives like it's brand new wow Uh, (laughs) they have lasted the test of time back to the future and back again so i love it yeah we're about to enter the last lap but before we do 
Here's a word from our sponsor and Cars yeah guest, Dwight Knowlton. Carpe Viem, seize the road. It's the motto at carpegear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an inspirational award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids' car book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the little red racing car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find his book, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, Toby, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure, why not? What is the (laughs) best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, That would have to be fix it before it breaks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wise words from a mechanic. (laughs) Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I always do my very best to stay calm, Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of in spite of the storms, try and, you know, think things through and just stay calm. And I've had a number of customers that uh, have, have, you know, seen things going on around in the shop area and it's just you know sometimes it can get quite chaotic and I've always made the determination that I'm going to stay calm and you know think logically through the different situations that come up and uh, I think that really has served me well over the years is just you know know, don't freak out. Yes how about resources I know there are so many out there these days but is there one in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy a website or maybe a blog? In terms of finding out more about DeLoreans in general and uh, kind of what the world of DeLoreans is like, the Facebook page that we maintain for DeLorean Motor Company Northwest uh, is a great place to visit. I've, I've got pictures of all the different uh, oddball projects that we've had around here as well as you know the normal uh, projects. We've got a DeLorean that, that we put a great big huge carbon fiber wing on and all kinds of other you know, oddball things. We've yeah. got a light star uh, in the in the shop right now, as a matter of fact, but it's showing up on the on the Facebook page as well. Cool. Uh, a lot of people don't even know what a Light Star is, but it's a it's a really unique vehicle. From a, a social perspective, the DeLorean, the motor, the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club has a very nice website, and and we do a lot of things through the year and and try and, and support the DeLorean mark for sure, mm-hmm. and then uh, then also. We try and help out at different events, uh, and we're in parades, endless parades. Uh, but we try and help out at, uh, at different events that are, are uh, raising funds for children's charities, for instance, that kind of thing. And so uh, pndc.org, pndc.org is, uh, is a great resource to go to just to learn about that. And then um, really that, that, that time machine that I alluded to that's got uh, 455,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. um, the couple that own that... They travel around in that car, and they, they, they essentially live in it. It's amazing how much stuff they could cram into a car like that. <laughs> and uh, they travel all over the place, 
uh, raising funds and awareness for the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's research. Oh, okay. None of the donations do they use for their own living expenses. Every every dime that is donated to them in their travels goes directly back to the foundation. They've got a fabulous story. Their story is just amazing. But they've got a, a website called tothefuture.org. Ah, tremendous. And how about a book? Is there one in particular that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, a lot of people have the list of 20 questions about DeLoreans, the, the list is fairly consistent. And, mm-hmm. and uh, what I try and point people towards, if they're really interested in learning all there is to know about the cars, uh, what makes a good one good and a bad one bad and all that, uh, there's a, a book that was written by James Espy, who's a vice president down at DeLorean Motor Company, Texas. And it's called The Illustrated Buyer's Guide to DeLoreans. From a personal perspective, there's a book that I've read years ago and I've reread it a couple of times. The title of the book is Failing Forward mm-hmm. yeah. by John C. Maxwell. Yeah, Maxwell. And, yeah, uh, great book. Life is just a series of failures. It's all about how you uh, pick yourself up after the failure and, and learn from it and move on. Yes. And so that, that book discusses that in detail. Fantastic. Great. You can find links to all these great resources Toby has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Toby. Peterson. All right, Toby, we're coming up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, money's no object, though. I'll buy you whatever you'd like today, so don't worry about that. What would that one vehicle be and why? Oh, gosh. You know, there's a lot of fabulous cars out there, and they all have their attributes. They all have their good points, their bad points, and but it really sounds odd, but I think it would wind up being a really nice DeLorean. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just because of the uh, the timeless design. And then also there's the continuing popularity of the car because of the ex- exposure that it got in the movies. Yes. You know, the, the Back to the Future movies. There's been at least one generation of new DeLorean enthusiasts that have been created by that series of movies. And I think we're working on the second generation after that now. Awesome. The movies keep, you know, getting shown time and time again. Uh, so there's there's this ongoing popularity, I think, that's going to take us well into the future. And then there's uh, there's lots of options uh, that are available to, to morph it into something more modern without without affecting its essential nature. Sure, sure. And uh, so it's, it's just one of those, it's very, that's kind of what I would have in my garage, and I do. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. I love that. Toby, you've taken me on a great ride back to the future today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I knew we were going to have some fun here, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the future in that DeLorean? I would have to say that um, you know people should just go for it. You know, life of, of just a, a whole series of what-ifs is not really a life well-lived. Mm-hmm. If people are, are going along and they're trying to figure out if they should, you know, take a risk and do something, even if it's, you know, not necessarily changing the direction of their entire working career, but, you know, just any kind of decision to go off in a, in a slightly different direction, go for it. Because yeah. uh, you'll always wonder, you know, what would have happened if you don't. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Uh, probably the Facebook page, DeLorean Motor Company Northwest, all spelled out. It would be the best way. And then uh, I do have an online parts company that we started uh, quite a few years ago in 2003. Mm-hmm. And it's DeLorean Parts Northwest is the name of the company. And uh, you can find it on DeLorean-Parts.com. And uh, we've got a lot of really innovative systems and uh, and accessories available through the online store. Uh, remote door opening systems and remote start systems, all kinds of 
electronic upgrades to the car and then uh, suspension upgrades and you know different things that we're working on there and the uh, the DeLorean Parts Northwest business predates the shop by a number of years mm-hmm. uh, and, and was one of the one of the reasons why DeLorean Motor Company Texas you know approached me in the first place is they saw all the activity that I had going on right. online with uh, with my parts company Fantastic. Now, do you guys sell that accessory, that Vegematic thing you put on the back of the car so you can run off <laughs> garbage? Mr. Fusion. Mr. Fusion. <laughs> That's right. I had one on the shelf, and it wound up going into a customer's car. I'll bet. <laughs> uh, it, can, it can be had, though. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Toby shared with us again today at carsyad.com slash Toby Peterson. Just put Toby in the search box. He'll take you back to the future. You'll find links to his businesses and the stories show notes page. Fantastic. Thank you, Toby, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Had a great time. Until we talk again, I'll see you back in the future. Thank you, Mark. It was fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.